0: To the silver
1: screen. Welcome, listeners, to the first installment in our Terminator movie review series. Today, we are reviewing The Terminator. This is your co-host, Corbin. I'm Alan. And this series has become completely iconic, and especially with the release of Terminator Dark Fate just a couple months ago in 2019, we thought it would be a great idea to go back and review all of these films because... I have seen all of them, save for Dark Fate, as of this recording, and I watched them in kind of a weird order, so I'm, I'm like, kind of new to the Terminator series, even though I've seen them all at least once, but I'm not a diehard Terminator fan.
0: Yeah, I've seen, the first one I actually watched was Terminator Salvation, and that was the year that it came out, and that was before I watched anything else, and I was a, but a wee lad, um... So that came out, I think, 2009, I want to say. But when I got to college, then I actually watched the original two Terminator films. I'm pretty sure I watched them in order. Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. Haven't seen Terminator 3 yet. Um, I watched Terminator Genesis when it was put on, I want to say it was Amazon Prime. Yes. um, Back (laughs) a few years ago. And yeah, I haven't seen Dark Fate yet, so as of this recording, I have yet to see Dark Fate in Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, so that'll come in a couple weeks from here. But yeah, I'm also kind of a newbie to the Terminator series, but I have seen the two that really solidified Terminator in Hollywood culture.
1: I, as with Alan, the first film that I saw in the franchise was Terminator Salvation. Because it was the first PG-13 film in the series, That's right? I just so happened to have turned 14 in <laughs> when it when it came out. If it, I'm fairly certain it came out in 2009. So I did see it when it came out, and it was that was one of my earliest Blu-rays I got. And I prob we probably watched it at my house for one of my birthdays. That and X-Men Origins Wolverine. I remember Ah, I couldn't get enough of that movie. Couldn't get enough of either of those movies.
0: Right. I do remember that. Yeah. Remember we watched that uh, X-Men.
1: And so after seeing Salvation, it was probably a couple years because uh, Terminator 2 is rated R. So I think my dad wanted to wait a bit to watch it with me. And we did watch Terminator 2. And I thought, wow, this is like a really fun, action packed movie but ah, terminator salvation can't beat it right and then <laughs> i saw terminator one i'm like oh this is like boring and <laughs> kind of old it's kind of weird i'm like ah, not good terminator one mm-hmm. not good and then i saw terminator three rise of the machines and i'm like this is weird like whatever like forget this hogwash can't even f- understand this movie anyway Right, and then Alan saw Terminator Genesis. He's like, "Hey, it's on Prime," and I'm like, "Ooh, I'm I'm just gonna sit down and watch that because neither of us caught that in the theater." And I remember we both had incredibly different opinions on that movie for very we did. different reasons.
0: We yeah, we did. <laughs> it was very polarizing when we talked about it because our thoughts were so completely opposite.
1: <laughs> yeah, we will talk about that when we get to Terminator Genesis. Yes, because. I'm going to see if my rating has changed and I'm going to see if Alan's rating has changed. I'm very curious.
0: I'm curious too. I'm curious to see what, uh, how my thoughts have differed from the, whenever it came out on Amazon prime. So James Cameron, as of this time is no new name to Hollywood. He's produced what was the highest grossing film of all time until it was recently beat out by Avengers Endgame, uh, avatar, but Terminator was the movie that really was the thing that gave him the name. It was the Terminator was the movie that gave him the pedestal and be, let him become the James Cameron that we know today. Uh, this was a film that got a pretty small budget. Um, it was kind of a risk at the time to make a film like this. Uh, in fact, they had they didn't even want to use... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator, they wanted to do, they were going to go for Sylvester Stallone and Mel Gibson because they were big names at the time, but then they both turned it down. (coughs) And so eventually they went for uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and he, they Cameron's plan was to actually not have him be a part of the film, but then he was. And then about a, I think it was about a month or so into filming, they had to completely halt the project for a while because there was a clause in the, in his contract where once they had to start filming for Conan the Barbarian, Arnold Schwarzenegger had priority to go, go film that instead of the Terminator. So for nine months, after the first month of filming or so, they had to co- put the whole project on halt. Um, and in that time, James Cameron went and worked on a little film called uh, First Blood Part Two. Um, and eventually came back and they finally finished it. Um So, finally, it was able to be released, um, and it did very, very well in the box office, not only just in terms of its audience score, but also its uh, critical score. It was released to critical acclaim back in 1984. (laughs) So, kind of a wild
1: ride. You can say that again. Critical acclaim, it currently sits at a, and it's not going to change, a 100% Certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Which is ridiculous. How <laughs> many films have we... Have we talked about any film on this podcast that's been 100% no. on Rotten Tomatoes?
1: No, I mean, we've been in the 90s before, but yeah. when I saw that 100%, my eyes like shot out of my head. <laughs> I mean, yeah. crazy.
0: It is crazy. And, I mean, it makes sense, too, because The Terminator is a film that is very important to cinema um, for many, many reasons. But yeah, seeing that 100% is kind of crazy. Now I, is Casablanca 100% on Rotten Tomatoes? No, it's a 98%.
1: There you go. Terminator is officially better than Casablanca.
0: According to critics, <laughs> According yes, according to the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the Terminator is better by 2% than Casablanca.
1: But do we think so? We have reviewed Casablanca, so go ahead and listen to our review of that movie.
0: Right, yes.
1: It's kind of wild to think that James Cameron's first feature-length directorial film is Piranha 2, The Spawning, (laughs) which he also wrote the screenplay for as well. But he wrote it as H.A. Hamilton, excuse me, H.A. Milton. And that came out in 1981. And then, of course, The Terminator came out in 84. And then it always shocks me every time I pop on First Blood Part 2, I see screenplay by James Cameron.
0: That's right. Yep. So in terms of money, uh, originally the budget was $4 million, but it was then raised to $6.5 million, which back in 1984, um, it's still pretty small. I mean, it's a substantial amount, but it's still pretty small. So opening weekend, it got $4 million, which is equivalent to almost $10 million in today's money. In its total theatrical run, domestically, it got $38 million. Foreign got $40 million with a worldwide total of $78 million or $194.3 million if adjusted for inflation. So it did very well in the box office for the budget it was given.
1: Yeah, it's did very well. And I mean, that doesn't really surprise me, especially because yeah. of word of mouth. Arnold Schwarzenegger, this was pretty much the prime of his career mm-hmm. with Conan the Barbarian and he would just continually go, go on to do great things. And especially in the 80s, science fiction was a big deal because Ghostbusters came out. We reviewed that movie as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Star Trek 3, got that review on here as well. And of course, Back to the Future came out the next year in 1985. So time travel movies, science fiction movies, things of the kind in the 80s were very well received.
0: Oh, yeah. And this is especially after, you know, writing off the coattails of Star Wars, which at this point, the trilogy had just ended no more than a few years before this. Uh, yeah, sci-fi was huge in the 80s at this point. So it's no surprise that this movie, even though it's by at this point, a no name director who hasn't done anything other than <laughs> Piranha 2 as a directorial debut, um, is no surprise that it did as well as it did in the box office. And its ratings also seem to extend that as well with an IMDB score of an eight, a straight eight um, with its being in the top 250 at number 241, which is getting pretty low and it might be chopped off here at some point. But it's also I would think that it might stay for a while, if not forever, because it is, you know, the Terminator. So I wouldn't be surprised if it remains on the on the board throughout the years
1: i guess i wouldn't be surprised as well because at the end of 2019 it was 243 when i wrote it down last week it was 242 and now it's 241
0: yeah so so it went up by one one spot
1: yeah and so it has been on the imdb top 250 since 1996 when it was first started it's been on there all 24 years and the lowest it's been which would technically be the highest. I know it's kind of confusing, but in 1997, it was considered the 118th greatest film of all time. And as wow. I just said, as of 2019, it was at 243, which is dangerously close to dropping off.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, so some other scores I got here: Metascore at 84, which is a very solid score for Metascore. Rotten Tomatoes, where I talked about 100% critic score, 89%. Uh, Audience score, no cinema score. Uh, This is before cinema score was a thing. And Letterboxd at a 3.9, which is actually a little bit lower than the other scores we have here, but still very positive.
1: The one thing that I am surprised about this movie is the R rating that it received. Mm -hmm. Because showing the side of someone's buttocks or the back of it is not going to get a movie in our rating usually, uh, especially around this time period. I know um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom had just come out, which was PG. So uh, PG-13, oh gosh, I'm trying to think back. We we discussed this in our MPAA discussion. I don't think PG-13 had come out yet. It would come out pretty soon after this, though.
0: Yeah, it came out in 84, but it's also possible it just had not been implemented. Currently, I don't actually know what date it actually went into effect, but it's possible that it had yet to go into effect at this time.
1: Yeah, and um, I would say that if we cut out the really unnecessary uh, Sarah Connor, I'm um, okay. I'm no spoilers just yet, but there is some Sarah Connor nudity in this film. Yep. If you cut out that and a tiny bit of uh, full frontal with Arnold there. Um, then this would probably be a PG-13 movie. So, Alan, it's 1984. It's coming up uh, on October. And you see a trailer for The Terminator. What do you think? Are you? Is it going to get you in the theater?
0: So, the trailer for this movie was kind of interesting because the one that I caught seemed to market it more as a horror thriller than an action movie um if i remove what i know about it up until this point and i think on the fact that this is say the the very first time i've seen it and it's just being seen the trailer it would look more like a yeah a horror thriller there's a machine that's chasing down these two characters for what reason other than to kill them i have no idea Um, it would seem kind of interesting to me. I would, I don't know if it would completely interest me, but it does intrigue me a little bit. So if in this hypothetical situation, um, I had not seen or the Terminator had not come out until this year, it would intrigue me, but I don't know if I would go and see it until after some of the initial reviews come out to talk about it.
1: I looking back on it now, it's very eighties to me. It's definitely a product of its time as far as trailers go, but it still looks very exciting. So I would go see it in the theaters. And, you know, I'm not surprised that you got uh, horror vibes off of the trailer because the slasher genre was in full swing. Halloween came out in 79 and uh, another little known uh, horror film came out in 1984 as well. The Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: Yes, that's right.
1: So, but yeah, I I would go see the movie if I was alive back in 1984.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, is it time to get into some plot?
1: Yes, it is time to get into all of the juicy spoilers. So if you have not seen The Terminator and you don't want the film spoiled for you, go ahead and click pause right now. Go ahead and check out the movie and come back and click play and we'll be ready to talk about it.
0: Los Angeles, 1984, a naked cyborg called a Terminator, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, suddenly shows up from the year 2029 with a mission to kill Sarah Connor, played by Linda Hamilton. Kyle Reese, played by Michael Bein, is a human sent from the same year and is here to do the exact opposite, to protect Sarah Connor. Reese is here to protect Sarah because in later years, she will give birth to a son who will become a very important leader, and his death would mean the extermination of the, of the human race. After the murders of the other Sarah Connors in the area, our main lead hides out in a nightclub only to be caught in the crossfire between the Terminator and Reese. Reese successfully escapes with Sarah and explains to her that in the future, machines have taken over and are out to exterminate the human race. However, her son, John Connor, leads a resistance fight against the machines. In an attempt to remove John Connor and the resistance, they send a Terminator back to the past to exterminate his mother, Sarah Connor. Reese and Sarah are taken back to the police station Where Reese is questioned about his involvement with Sarah. The Terminator tracks Sarah down to the station. He rams his car through through the entrance and goes on a massacre to hopefully exterminate Sarah in the process. Sarah and Reese escape to a motel and fornicate. (laughs) Reese and Sarah.
1: (laughs) Well, it's a good word.
0: Yeah. Reese and Sarah come face to face with the Terminator one last time, armed with more artillery. Unfortunately, even an explosion from a tanker does not kill this machine. With all of its outer skin burned off and its endoskeleton revealed, and Reese badly wounded, the prey hide out in a nearby factory only to kill the machine with a hydraulic press. Reese passes away, and Sarah goes out on her own with now pregnant with John. We see her talking to her son through audio tapes as he drives into the sunset as credits roll.
1: So the first thing that hits me when I watch this movie, particularly the first third of it, is it's a, it's pretty much straight visual storytelling in the yeah, first act, which was kind of a breath of fresh air that we're not spoon fed anything. And we don't know if Kyle Reese is a bad guy. Um, we come to see that Arnold Schwarzenegger's character is a bad guy. We don't understand what they want Sarah Connor for. And so I found the first act of this movie, at least to be quite engrossing and a very exciting, taut thriller, but more so a horror movie.
0: Yeah, it does go for some of those horror vibes, which as we, as you mentioned just a little bit ago, uh, the horror genre, horror slasher genre, genre was very much in full swing at this point in the 80s. But yeah, you're very much correct. The, this movie is very heavy on its visual storytelling in its first act. We don't really know what's going on um, with what's, what's going with Sarah. Why, how is she involved in the story with these two guys that just kind of magically showed up? Uh, so it's, yeah, it kind of leads you to wonder what is, what is going to happen later on when these three characters inevitably meet up. And luckily that doesn't take very long for that to actually happen. Uh, it takes about maybe 10, 20 minutes before their first encounter is had in the nightclub. And at that moment, you kind of get a realization of this thing, Arnold Schwarzenegger, which at this point, when they do finally meet up in the nightclub, he is not a human. He's very much a robot. And it's kind of interesting to see, you know, just how power, not only how powerful the robot is, but how delicate Sarah's life is and how important her life is going to be later on because of what happens in the future. It's yeah, the setup in this movie is rather strong, I feel, given that opening that's Pretty much solely visual storytelling almost uh, to set up our story. It makes for a good hook, I would say.
1: I did find it to be fairly unique that they're taking a lot of elements seemingly from Halloween. Because if you really think about it, the Terminator is Michael Myers in this movie. He's silent. He doesn't necessarily run after you. He just kind of walks after you and you can't kill him. And he seemingly doesn't have a motivation. And Sarah Connor is very much a Laurie Strode type character. So kind of grafting that into a science fiction film. And uh, ultimately it does kind of stray a bit more towards uh, kind of a scientific action side. Yeah, uh, With some interesting flashbacks. I really found this to be very, very unique. Particularly for... Um, the time period, because horror and science fiction aren't anything new. Alien had already come out from Ridley Scott, which many people consider to be one of the greatest horror films. And of course, it's science fiction. So uh, that element of it, I was really surprised this time around. And I loved it. That's definitely my favorite part about the first third of the movie.
0: Yeah, and what later is explained to us is it's lore too, I do find to be rather interesting because it's set in a time where in the future, the earth is going to be nuked by what we employ as machines to do like war and stuff like that for us, turn on us, and then they nuke the earth. And then they all, from that, they try to exterminate the humans. That happens in the future. And it's a very interesting concept um to have this Terminator who looks and who looks very much like a human and bleeds like a human, be when you really break it down, when you really rip its skin off, it's actually just a robot underneath. Um it's very interesting to see this concept, this idea. It's still kind of still eighties at the time, but still interesting in its in its world building and its lore. I found that to be some of the more interesting parts about the Terminator, this movie in particular, is the background info of its story um, and how one event that happened way in the past, kind of like, it kind of has that butterfly effect theme in it, where one event way back in the past explodes in something much more important later on in the future that you just can't see.
1: Well, they beat back to the future to the punch, it seems. They were almost a a year ahead of them where what if you go back in time and your mom gets killed and then you would essentially cease to exist and the future would be right. changed. And, um, this was also, we should note kind of at the dawn of technology that was becoming more prevalent in the minds of just the average citizen. Now we right. carry, you know, computers around us everywhere. I literally have like four computers Sitting around me right now. <laughs> um, but back then, technology, I don't even think artificial intelligence was on very many people's lips mm. anyway. Uh, robots, of course, were a known entity back then, but I think this was also deeply playing on. Uh, unexplored fears within the mind of the audience of right what if eventually we do make a machine that is smart enough to uh take us out and it becomes the master i think that would be a completely logical uh, question for people to have particularly right. um uh, they did capitalize on that on i really enjoy this movie it's called war games
0: Oh, yeah, I've heard about this.
1: Yes, with Matthew Broderick. War Games came out the year before this film in 1983, where the computer uh, essentially will incite World War III because of its artificial intelligence. So absolutely, I can see James Cameron even further playing off War Games. And he's like, what if the computer was a person? What if it's somebody that blended in with you? And that, that leads me into, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is honestly fantastic. He yeah. b- makes me believe he's a robot.
0: Yeah, it's funny because <laughs> we did. We have many years ago. We reviewed Commando, and we yes. talked about. All right, we. I'm pretty. sure, sh- remember. I, if memory serves me correctly, we did talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger's acting in that movie. He's trying to be a bit more serious than in this one, um, a bit more of a human like character, but he's still kind of, kind of wooden. And in this movie, I feel they found probably the perfect balance of acting for him which is funny because the acting in this movie is for him just to be a robot so yeah i feel this is perfect casting and great uh acting from arnold schwarzenegger because it plays into something that i feel um is perfectly cast for him he feels a lot like a terminator he's out and he is going to kill uh He's going to kill Sarah Connor at whatever cost. And especially with the climax that we do have, it's very clear how dead set this machine is to killing, um, to killing Sarah Connor and how kind of indestructible these machines are as well.
1: Another thing that I think makes the performance of Arnold Schwarzenegger and particularly the line delivery is mm-hmm. his accent. If he yeah. would have just delivered this with, you know, the way you and I talk, I don't think it would have quite the impact that it does because there is something that uh, just doesn't, uh, I think is, well, it is a, he does have a foreign accent and then especially uh, I think it lends itself to that kind of quality. We're not quite used to hearing. Um, I would say, I I don't know very many Austrians particularly. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do think his accent does help uh, make this and his career as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, not, you know, not just the acting, but Arnold Schwarzenegger as the icon and everybody wants to imitate his voice and accent.
0: Right. Yeah. Especially at this time, Arnold Schwarzenegger was pretty huge. And see, Commando Physical came out too. in e <laughs> 85, came out a year after this. Oh, OK. But yeah, at the time, this was still, I mean, at the time, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Pretty much for all of the 80s, he would be the one of the icons of the 80s for this decade is, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger, that beefcake um, (laughs) who has no feelings and kills everything in his sight that's bad. It's it's very much personified in this movie.
1: You know, you mentioned Sylvester Stallone earlier also as a potential candidate for the role of the Terminator. And. I think Stallone could have done it but I think Arnold ended up being the perfect fit for it. Yeah. Now there is a really interesting uh video on YouTube from Control Shift Face where he did um, graft 80s Stallone onto um Arnold's body from a scene in Terminator 2 and it looks perfect. I can't even believe it. It Seems like they actually filmed it that way. So if you do, if you want to know what it would be like in a parallel universe with Sylvester Stallone as the Terminator, I highly recommend you check that out. But I'm guessing um, on a six million dollar budget, that probably would have been Stallone's salary, the whole thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's my guess, too, is, yeah, that would they probably use their entire salary to to fund The acting of Sylvester Stallone. Because he is, especially at this point after First Blood, he's a very expensive actor. A very wanted actor as well.
1: Yeah, Stallone was highly in demand. And then, of course, Schwarzenegger came on the scene and they were both highly in demand at the time and both kind of compete. They kind of had this kind of like fun, famous rivalry that's interesting to read up about. And, you know, For instance, the line, I'll be back a very basic line that people say all the time, I'll be back, but it's become iconic because of this movie. And, you know, honestly, it probably shouldn't have stuck, but I just think it's because of associating with associating it with the accent, with the glasses, with the Terminator. I, it was kind of the perfect storm to create this. I'll be back line.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of this whole movie in a a nutshell. It's kind of like this perfect storm because it's a very new director to Hollywood who has been given enough money to actually make a movie, to make a movie that ended up becoming a Hollywood icon um, almost overnight. So yeah, and in some ways, this is kind of a a movie that has a lot of impact to itself, but it's kind of lucky that it had this much impact kind of the same with Star Wars where Star Wars of course now is one of the most actually I think it's the most expensive franchise or film franchise out there that was only saved because of from what I've from what I've heard it's it was saved because uh because of its editing um, that's become now a, just a pop culture icon this is one of those same movies but so this one's of course more adult oriented
1: yeah it is more adult oriented um not just because of the subject matter, but um, well, before we get there, um, the one thing that I did want to uh, mention was the visual effects in this movie.
0: Yeah.
1: So I think the visual effects are incredible for a $6 million budget. Oh yeah, in, for the bunny, yeah.
0: the budget they had and what they were able to pull off, it's very impressive.
1: Um I think the one thing that everybody will be kind of shell shocked by when they see this movie is the stop motion terminator at the end of the film. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I noticed that when I watched it in, in college. Um it's definitely got a lot of age to it.
1: Oh, it does. I mean, this is calling back to the skeletons and Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah, Um, which I love. I love Jason and the Argonauts. It was one of my childhood favorites. Um, I think some people will probably see that as a negative, but I still find the usage charming and definitely kind of that callback to old Hollywood because Jason fought skeletons in Greece. And now Kyle Reese is fighting a skeletal futuristic Terminator uh, monster in modern day America. It's it's cool, and I like that it's kind of the last remnant of its time because stop-motion isn't used in a serious capacity really like this anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely not. And, yeah, once again, for the time that this came out and the budget that they have, it is surprising how good it looks. Now, by today's standards, it's, it is most definitely aged, but it's kind of one of those things uh, that really, in my mind, helps – helps the movie. It is still very 80s, but at the same time, the stop motion and some of the vi- the older style visual effects, um, after so many years, I feel help it, give it more of an 80s vibe. Uh, it makes it give it more of an identity as to when it came out. So while I don't think the visual effects hold up nearly as much nowadays, it's still something that I feel helps the movie more than it hurts it because of its identity.
1: Let's go ahead and jump back to what I was talking about with this is probably my biggest critique of the film, which mm. always bothers me. Well, this, every time I watch it with it, which hasn't been very much at yeah. this point, but I picked up on it when I first watched it as well many years ago. So after they escaped the police station from the Terminator, Kyle and Sarah, I feel like they hit this roadblock uh, a pacing issue, I would say it's a big halt which makes me lose interest in the movie because I really hate it in these movies where you have to have the slowed down nighttime heart to heart scene around the campfire. Yep. Well, this is a bit more of a heart to heart because the two of them, uh co co, uh, Hmm. Well, yeah. Fornicate as Alan said, (laughs) and, um, thus John Connor is born, which doesn't make any sense sense.
0: Yeah, it was. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Not to mention, too. When Reese talks about he talks about this twice, um, about why he went back in the past to save Sarah Connor. The first time he plays it off as if, oh, it's just it's my duty to be the one who goes back to back to back to the past to save the mother of our leader. Right. That's what he passes off as originally. We soon find out long, long after that, that his real intention for going back in the past is because he's actually falling in, in love with Sarah Connor because he got a picture from, uh, from John Connor in the future that we see being taken at the end of this movie. And he somehow falls in love with her through seeing that. And that's the big driving force for him to want to go back to the past. It's um, interesting. Uh, in my mind that that is his reason for you know this big army like guy going back to the past for because he has feelings for somebody. it it's very 80s, yes, but it's also I feel kind of a weaker uh, motivation for this character.
1: I agree. It's kind of a romanticized very much taken out of kind of a pulpy science fiction novel it feels yep. like, Or even something far older, uh, like Edgar Rice Burroughs, John Carter of Mars, where they're from two different worlds and star-crossed lovers across time. Um, Yeah, I don't really like it, and I can't even understand how it makes any sense, because Sarah Connor clearly had to have met someone and had a baby, which grew up to be John Connor. And then Kyle right. Reese is born and then he goes back in time and I can only assume that he messes with the timeline and impregnates Sarah and the and the baby boy born from that is a different person than would have been the original John Connor. So there still is this young boy that grows up to be John Connor. I just don't think it could be the same person, but I don't think James Cameron wants us to even think about this.
0: Yeah, this is, it's, surface level, what it's meant to be is uh, Kyle Reese is the father of John Connor, right? Don't think too much past that because uh, they don't really explain time travel and like their version of time travel and what time travel does when you change things in the past and how it affects the future. They don't really explain that very much. It's like a dropped line here and there about it. So I'm fine with it being something that isn't really explained. However, I would have liked for it to go more in depth that from what I hear and from what I have seen, the later movies do do this. They do go more in depth with the timeline of things.
1: I'll be interested to see if they can retcon any of this because I can't even wrap my head around it. And that just serves as a needless distraction to this very streamlined movie as uh, streamlined story, uh, which is unfortunate. And once again, I really don't like it once they hit that standstill and we have to have this pointless sex scene and then it picks back up with the action again. And of course, Kyle Reese has to die. So honestly, right. um, that really makes me turn on the movie. I'll have to be honest. Uh, once this occurs, I, it loses me. It honestly loses yeah. me.
0: Yeah, no, this for me, and this was the same when I first watched it. When we get to about the last 45, 50 minutes, I feel the movie just really slows down. And even that ending action scene doesn't, at this point, at that point in the movie, doesn't really grab me nearly nearly as much as the previous scenes. And I feel that's because the, I think you kind of, you talked about this a a second ago, the pacing gets kind of weird there towards the end. I feel like once we get about 45, 50 minutes from the climax, or even just from the end of the movie, actually, the movie just, I just start to lose interest. And it's also not a movie with a lot of depth to it in terms of its characters. They're pretty cardboard, which is a product of the 80s, but it's something that I feel had there been maybe a bit more complex would have kept me more engaged with the story.
1: One of the other things that, of course, takes me out of it, which I don't, I don't want it to be any different because I like things being a product of their times is also mm. the score is so a so outdated.
0: Yeah, the main theme of this has become very iconic. Yes. Um, and for one reason or another, it just that's just how it has how it ended up. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think the score of this movie is really all that good. Yeah. Um, It's something, even the main theme I feel is to me, not very, uh, not very catchy. I don't really care for it that much. Um, I understand why it's so popular, but yeah, I don't think the score here is really anything special to me.
1: Another thing that I find to be at one point a positive and at another point a negative and especially. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to judge it on the upcoming films. I'm going to pretend I haven't seen those yet. But one thing that I will say this film does establish is the idea of the unstoppable Terminator Yeah. where he, he cannot be stopped or it cannot be stopped, which on one point I really like how it's almost this nightmarish circumstance where no matter what you do, no matter even seemingly logical things cannot stop this future uh, murdering machine. So I like that on the one hand. I mean, it does feel borrowed from horror films where you think the killer's dead. Surprise, he's not. Right. Uh, or, Or she's not. But on the other hand, I think my patience does get strained here towards the end. And I especially, like, even though I should be, really riveted and invested by these closing action sequences. I think it's stretching our patience here to think the Terminator is dead and then he's not dead. And then to think he's like dead again, surprise he's not. And yeah, eh, I don't know that that kind of bothers me a bit.
0: Yeah. The Terminator does die like three or four times in this movie, especially here at the, during the climax. Um Yeah. And that's kind of where maybe my enjoyment of the movie tar- starts to wane is here at the very end where uh, things just are kind of repeating themselves. The Terminator dies. Always oh, not actually dead. He does now. He's not actually dead. Um, but I think the thing that really kills it for me when it comes to enjoyment, full uh, enjoyment as a general sense in this film, is I feel like uh, I feel like there is some i there is an identity problem, and I say that because this movie from the trailers that I see is marketed more as a sci-fi horror film, kind of like a mixture between Alien and uh, Halloween. But I never really got that the three or four times that I've seen it until I saw the trailer and saw what it was marketed as. I never really, even to this day, I still, when I watch it, I don't really feel like it's a horror movie or that it's fully an action movie or that it's fully a a slasher movie. It's something that's kind of taking pieces from these different genres and putting it together. So maybe that's part of the reason why I don't really feel as invested in this movie as I feel like uh, a lot of more people are, or maybe what I feel like I should be is because of these, because it doesn't really have as much of identity with what genre it's really going for instead of, how much enjoyment I feel like I should be having.
1: And I think that's due to probably James Cameron being relatively new to screenwriting and directing is not really uh, picking one single direction and rolling with it. Now, in the beginning, having a horror sci-fi film really works because I think it's something I had never... I, I think it's something you never really see that much. And I think it's done very well in the beginning. But yeah, I agree that direction... And some of the repetitive nature of the movie really does uh, start to irk me somewhat. Um, One other thing before we wrap up here is we mentioned that the visual some of the visual effects are fantastic and some of them are outdated and some of them are simply abysmal, especially um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's animatronic head, I guess. Oh,
0: yeah. The uh, clay puppet head (laughs) on the middle (laughs) portion. (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's awful.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I kind of get it because they don't have the resources to um, do what they could do in later movies at the time. So they're kind of limited in tech, technologically wise. But yeah, that puppet head of Arnold Schwarzenegger is kind of a sore thumb. In some ways, I, I like it because of, you know, it being a product of its time. Um and seeing some of those older filmmaking techniques. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. It does not look very good.
1: Alan, what is your rating and recommendation for The Terminator?
0: Seeing the scores for The Terminator is kind of uh polarizing to me because I don't know how much I agree with them. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes is quite the feat. Do I think it's worth a 100% Rotten Tomatoes? I don't think... I personally don't think so. I understand why it's important. And there are things about it that I do really enjoy. I do love the world that they set up. I do really love some of the special effects that they were able to pull off despite how much budget they had. I do really like how Arnold Schwarzenegger has a role that's essentially perfect for him and that he would continue to play even, until, even into these newest movies, being however many years old. But when it comes to my actual enjoyment of the film, I don't really care for it that much. And I say that still understanding and still appreciating why it is so important. It is important. It is an important film, but it's not a film that just because it's important doesn't mean I necessarily have to give it the, a high score and a recommend. I think it's fine, and I'll still recommend it for its importance. But I don't necessarily feel like it's a movie that I have to like because everybody else says that this is great. So it's got good elements, but I don't really like it. So for me, 6 out of 10, but still a solid recommend.
1: Part horror, part sci-fi action flick. The Terminator begins strongly, but falters greatly due to pacing issues. For an 80s time travel adventure, it surprisingly doesn't rely on much cheesiness. It features some great car chases and a thrilling on-the-run premise. The first act is nearly all visual storytelling. Arnold is a near-recreation of a Michael Myers-type villain. Once the second act hits and Sarah and Kyle flee the police station, the pacing hits a repetitive standstill from which it never recovers. As for a time travel film, it doesn't make any sense. How could Kyle Reese be John Connor's father when he had never traveled back in time in the first place? Cameron presents strong ideas, some of which have stood the test of time, especially for a first outing, and nearly pulls it off with the execution. But there's not enough here to forgive this 80s adventure of its loss of focus and repetitive nature. The Terminator receives 5 stars out of 10, with a mild not recommend
0: i'll say this for our first outing it's very very impressive yes. it reminds me a lot of district nine in a yes, lot of ways yes. um yeah. but yeah it seems that you and i are kind of on the same page while we understand how important it is and how, how what how good the qualities that are good are good it doesn't we don't really care for it as nearly as much as uh, a lot of people do
1: no. And to me, I very much saw this film as a proof of concept of yeah. what James Cameron is capable of. And his second, his second film after the Terminator was they gave him the reins to Alien. He did Aliens right after the Terminator. Two years later, he immediately right. started working on Aliens, which I love that movie. It's one of the greatest science fiction action movies. It was an incredible sequel to alien. So, and then James Cameron just like kept on rolling from there and he created avatar and all kinds of other movies. So right. I'll be honest, Alan, I was very torn on whether or not to recommend this movie because after I had watched it, I thought, you know what? I can't really recommend this movie. It's very much, you know, straight up the middle five out of 10. Yeah. But as the week went on, I kind of softened on it because I kept thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? I might just give it the weakest of recommends. I might bump it up to a six. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, I do recommend this movie. It's kind of like with our Mad Max reviews. Yeah. Where I was very much like, "Eh." I'm like, but you know what? If you're going to watch like Mad Max Fury Road, then you probably should watch the Road Warrior." Yeah, Uh, because they both have value to them and this movie does have value. And I want people to understand that and understand it's like cultural influence and significance on cinema and just our cultural zeitgeist as well. So in some respects, you know, I do recommend you watch Terminator if you're particularly interested in a horror slasher-esque sci-fi film. But I don't know, to our general audience listeners... I I just can't do it. I can't recommend the film. But I will say this. Next week, though. Yeah, it does get me excited for next week.
0: (laughs) Yes. Next week is considered to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, depending on who you ask, uh, (laughs) action movies of all time, which is really high praise.
1: (laughs) I, I am very excited for next week because I've only seen the film one time. And I'm so excited to revisit it. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. It took a while for them to get this movie out. And we'll talk about why that is. But people had to wait seven years?
0: Yeah, this uh, Terminator 1 came out in 84. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 84. Yeah. Terminator 2 came out in 91. So been a bit seven years
1: yeah it's that's a long time to wait for a sequel
0: yeah and uh, almost as bad as back to the future
1: spoiler alert it took another 12 years before people <laughs> got Terminator 3 that's true it did I I just can't believe it I can't believe they made a sequel seven years later and yeah it's no surprise it is a beloved film and it Did incredible at the box office, but you're going to have to go ahead and subscribe listeners so you won't miss it when our review drops next week of Terminator 2. And make sure to share this with your friends and family because we love talking about movies and we love talking about them with you. So the question after the show is, is the Terminator all it's cracked up to be? (laughs) That's what I really want to know, because don't go off, don't just because it has an 84 on Metascore and a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, I want you to make up your mind just as Alan and I did and but don't judge it just because it came out in the 80s and hold it up against uh, a sci fi film coming out in 2020. Don't do that. Because I, I don't think that would make any sense at all. That doesn't impact the value of a film or the merit with which it brings. But we want to know are your criticisms the same? Or do you think it's a uh, great despite those criticisms Or Maybe you don't really see those criticisms. We want to know. So make sure to comment below your thoughts on The Terminator. Very curious to read those. Alan, thanks for joining me. Sure thing. All right, listeners, we'll be back next week with Terminator 2, Judgment Day. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.
0: Los Angeles, 1984. A naked cyborg... I guess I gotta start over. (laughs) (laughs) Naked side work.
1: All right, listeners, we will see you next week with no no wait. I wanna I wanna say we'll be back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>